welcome back to Getaway Day. My name is Mason, his name is Gautham, and we are back with another episode of Getaway Day. Uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, if you haven't noticed from the title of this episode, uh, things have been crazy. This is arson at the winter meetings. So, um, yeah, so I guess let's just get right to it. So the winter meeting started on Sunday and it has been nonstop craziness, anarchy. Uh, it it feels like you're the fish at the Boston Tea Party whenever all the caffeinated tea is dumped in the harbor. You're just buzzing. So we've seen some huge free agent signings that we'll talk about here in a bit. We've seen uh, some pretty big trades uh, leading up to the winter meetings. We've got a bunch of um, rumors for some other big trades that are going to be probably happening here. If not by tomorrow, I'm guessing by the end of the weekend, we'll be getting some of these big trades. Uh, And so we just kind of wanted to talk about it. There's no uh, real set path or anything that we've got for this particular episode. There's just so much stuff that we we figured we'll just start from the top and see where we end up. Uh, We do also have the uh, draft lottery pulled up on the side. So as that unfolds... uh, we might be breaking some news here. Um, so far, the uh, fourteen or the fifteen through the eighteenth picks are what you would expect. Nothing crazy yet, um, but I do have that pulled up on the side. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube so that you never miss a future episode. On YouTube, you got to hit that subscribe button and that little notification bell to get notifications. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. So, Gautham, now that I think you've got your technical difficulties fixed, how has the beginning of the winter meetings treated you? Winter meetings have been really good this year. I don't remember all the winter meetings. I don't have the best memory, but this feels like the best one in a long time, if ever. There just seems like there have been a steady trickle of uh, really interesting rumors and actual transactions happening. Uh, some big ones, some smaller ones, and you know we've got we've still got some big ones to come here yet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right off the bat, we've got some some pretty big stuff. Uh, it looks like the Minnesota Twins, who were expected to have the 13th overall pick, are in the top six. So, draft lottery could get interesting here in a bit. Uh, the rest all seems to be pretty much on par. But, um, oh, this is, this is fun. I I like this. I think we've also, Texas and Detroit are also in the top six. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about this real quick as, as it's, um, unfolding here very quickly. Uh, so with the draft lottery happening right now, uh, the if you remember going back to before the season when we were doing all the CBA discussions, it was determined that we were going to do a draft lottery this year uh, in the top six picks would all be dis- uh, decided by a lottery um, with uh, better odds for the worst teams. But it still gave um, slightly better teams all the way up to just barely missing the playoffs a chance at the number one through six picks. Um and 
teams that receive revenue sharing can't be in the lottery or can't be selected in the lottery more than two years in a row. If you're not a revenue sharing team, you can't be in it consecutive years. So this is year one. Everyone in the top 18 has a chance at the number one pick. Um, and but as, as I mentioned, we're already seeing um, the team that was supposed to have the number 13 pick. Uh, the sixth team out of the playoffs is going to be in that top six. Um, so it, we're already seeing a bit of a uh, a change from the past where maybe tanking isn't the move because you could still get that high pick as Minnesota is proving to us right now. So I guess it's, it's been a while since we talked about it. So I didn't know if you had any other thoughts on, on it, but um, yeah, it's just more of a, a risk that the worst teams are going to have to deal with more than anything. They still most likely won't drop out of the the top six, but there's a chance that they do. So you can't just yeah tank. You can't purposely do that and be assured that you're going to get the number one pick or the number two pick. You could potentially drop yeah, out. Like Cincinnati and Kansas City just did. They dropped out of the top six, um, and they were supposed to be the fourth and fifth picks. So... Uh, in any other year now they're seven and eight which isn't a very far fall yeah um it's more rewarding some of the better teams than it is penalizing the worst teams yeah yeah i think that's probably a safe way to say that but yeah um so yeah so we'll see here in a in a minute uh they went to commercial but we'll see how the top six pans out but what do you say we get talking about all the actual big juicy stuff that's happened Let's do it. So I'm going to need you to sit down for this first one, Galtham, because this is a doozy. Are you sitting? Jacob DeGrom to the Texas Rangers on a five-year, $185 million deal. What are your initial thoughts? I think initial thought, everyone said, wow, never saw him getting five years. That's I think that's pretty safe to say he's one of the um he's the best he's the best pitcher in the league when he pitches on a per inning basis. I don't think that's controversial to say, but health is uh, health is a skill, availability is a skill, and he hasn't shown that in in the last three seasons now. He's just pitched um not not a whole lot of innings. He was a workhorse if you go back to like 2019, 2018. So he's done that in the past, but now he's 35 years old. They're going to have him for five years. Um, It's almost like they don't really care about his durability by giving him this deal. I see them as saying like, we, we just want, um, we just want him to pitch his best, even if it's not 200 innings, even if it's not 180 innings, I don't think it's realistic to be expecting that kind of um output from from DeGrom but if he even gives you 120 innings a season at the elite level that he has this deal could end up being pretty solid for Texas I think yeah yeah and uh to to your point in the last three years so since the shortened 2020 season um DeGrom has pitched uh let's see what is that 130 under 200 innings right no, it's just over um, 
just over two hundred. It's uh two hundred and thirty innings, roughly. Um okay, or yeah. two two hundred and twenty. He pitched basically as many innings in the last three years as he did in twenty eighteen. So yeah. Uh health is a skill. Being on the field is a skill. And it's a skill that he's not really shown here in the last couple of years. Do I think that maybe he could get back to it? Yeah, probably. I mean, like some of his injuries have been I don't want to say freak, but they've not been like it's not like he had Tommy John twice. They haven't been like arm injuries. Like, yeah, he, he actually hasn't had the second Tommy John, so that's that's still on the table, I yeah, guess. But, but he's had some weird stuff. He's had like a uh a hamstring, he's had like a neck injury, like some kind of non-arm related stuff that maybe you can just brush aside and say that that stuff was a little bit fluky. Yeah, it, well, and I don't know if if maybe saying it's fluky is the is the way to do it, but it's but, but it's not as concerning is, as uh, as a major like arm or shoulder. Yeah, kind of thing. he did have the shoulder injury last year. Though. Yeah, but it's not like every year he goes out with a shoulder impingement for a month and a half or whatever. So you're a little bit less concerned from that standpoint. Um, and I mean, when he's on the field, 14.27 Ks per nine, uh, he's leaves like 73% of batters on base. Yeah. Yeah. He just, this dude is nuts. I mean, his career ERA is two, five, two, like two, five for a career ERA over what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. That is not an easy feat at all. So this is... And what he's done, if you look at it like his 2021 season, which was just absolutely absurd, he had a 108 ERA and a 055 whip, striking out 45% of batters and only walking 3%. Like that was probably the best 90 innings anyone's ever seen a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, that was... And it was all in the first half, really, for the most part. Um, Yep. But, uh, by the way, the A's actually went from number two to number six. It does not pay off to suck. (laughs) In your face, Oakland. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so, uh, but five years, $185 million. What what is the AAV on that? It's 37. All right. Um, That's very reasonable. In my for for a guy of his caliber, yes, it is less reasonable if he's hurt half the year every year for five years. But this is a Texas team that has six, maybe seven starters now. I mean, they just went out and got Andrew Heaney today to add to their rotation. So yeah. they've got just in this, uh, yeah, off season they've brought back three or they've added three starters. Not they didn't add Martin Perez, but they brought him back. And then to add to John Gray, you've got a pretty credible rotation if those guys can stay yeah. healthy, which is a in, big in a, in a ton of prospects that are pretty much uh, close. Yeah. I mean, Cole Wynn is ready. Um, you got Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, who hopefully this year takes some pretty big strides to getting up uh, towards the big leagues. Um, and then a bunch of number five starters that they had from last year, like Dane Dunning, Glenn Otto. You could bring Brock Burke um, back from the, from the bullpen and potentially stretch him out. Like they've got options. This is probably the best looking rotation that Texas has had in years. Yeah. They basically took their biggest weakness, which was starting pitching and they made it. I wouldn't necessarily say 
the strength of their team, but it's at least not a glaring weakness anymore. I mean, I would probably put their rotation ahead of the Cardinals rotation, and the Cardinals rotation isn't like the biggest Achilles heel in the world. Like, if 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 we're comparing to teams who are good teams, like, um, yeah. So th- this is a. I think if they get three good years out of DeGrom, this contract makes sense. I think you had to do five years if you were going to get him. whole bunch of other teams were in on him. Uh, 37 mil AAV, as we'll discuss here with the next guy. Not the highest AAV of the offseason. I mean, the guy who just went to replace him in New York, Justin Justin Verlander, signed a two-year $86.6 million dollar deal with the vesting uh, option for 2025 of 30 uh, 35 million dollars um that brings his aav for the first two years to tie teammate max scherzer for the highest all time um and i thought he would have tried to get like one dollar more than max scherzer just to hold it over his that would have been funny but um but yeah so the mets lose to grom which is uh, the sky is falling. He's irre- he's irreplaceable from a performance standpoint. There's no uh, nobody else in the league who pitches as well as yeah, he Yeah, but if you're going to lose him, who better to fill his spot with than a guy who just won a Cy Young off a year and a half or two years of not pitching with a 17 yeah. ERA at like 40 years old and Justin Verlander? Yeah, no, that's they did exactly the right thing. I They were almost forced to do this just to fill what DeGrom was giving them when he pitched. Um, yeah, he, he's a perfect fit for this team. And I think um, they're going to be happy with it, but I, I think everyone is going to always be comparing DeGrom and Verlander now, just because of the way um, Verlander filled DeGrom's slot. And everyone is saying Verlander is the safer bet on the two-year deal. That makes a lot of sense. But we have to remember that there is a lot of risk involved with Verlander, too. Um, he did have the, the Tommy John surgery. He is five years older, five and a half years older than DeGrom. There's just inherent risk in 40-year-old pitchers. They do break down at some point. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do break down. and but JV is probably the safest bet of a 40 year old pitcher that we've had since probably Nolan Ryan. I mean, Nolan Ryan pitched till he was what? 45. Jamie Moyer pitched till he was like 50, 48, something like that. Um, but JV is still doing it. He did just come off Tommy John, uh, in 2021, um, or 2020, 2021 in there. Uh, but it really, it, didn't affect his velo. It didn't really affect his results at all coming back this year. And there's just some slight, I would say there's some slight signs that he's showing some age. He struck out less batters last year than he had in the past. Um, he kind of got some good luck on like um, balls in play, stranded a lot of batters, but it was nothing, it was nothing drastic. He's still going to be really, really good. I'm just saying yeah, there's a chance he could he could be worse. Yeah, but being worse than the best pitcher 
in the league is still a top 10 pitcher. No, no, I'm not comparing to DeGrom. I'm, t- I'm talking to compared to what Oh, yeah, done. yeah, the, I am too. Yeah. Um, com- compared to being the best pitcher in the league, other than being named Jacob DeGrom, but I mean, Verlander, this is the first time he's thrown less than 200 innings in a season that he's played um, since 2015. Like, he's a completely different beast than DeGrom. He's the epitome of on the field, with the exception of the Tommy John. Um, he even threw 175 innings this year, coming back from Tommy John, which is kind of the the new 200 is like 175. Um, so you're not really too upset there. Like, I, I would say he's the best pitcher who's always available in the in the majors. Um, and so uh, him taking a step back is still him being in the top 10 of like pitchers in the majors, like not really too concerned about that. $43 million is a lot of money, but uncle Steve has all of it. So what does he care? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. I'm just trying to see the other side of it. Just pointing out a little bit of downside there. And, uh, you kind of have to do that with, with the top, with the top players. Yeah. Cause otherwise, I mean, I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty much perfect. Like, and he's a great fit for the Mets and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I don't know. Do you do you have anything else on Verlander? Because I was about to pivot to another guy who it kind of fits along the same lines here. Is like, go right, right ahead. So, an, another guy who on paper is absolutely perfect, um, but there's reason for concern coming here into the next couple of years is wow the pirates got the number one pick again interesting uh sorry um trey turner uh going into his age 30 season um i think he turns 30 in june uh just signed a 300 million dollar 11 year contract with the philadelphia phillies 27 million aav not really as high as i thought it would be but he got a lot longer contract than I thought he would get. I thought he was getting this is nine the years. redux of the of the bright. It's the Bryce Harper deal all over again from the exact same team where they're willing to go extra years and and give him a lower AAV. It's just like uh, now you could. Uh, he does get to hold the AAV over Bryce's head because he gets a million dollars more does. a year. He does. Yeah. But if you think about it, for for the player that Turner is, he's probably like a top, I don't know, 10, 15 player in the league right now on offense. And you're paying him like, I think he's 27th in AAV uh, in the majors right now. And that's before guys like Correa and Judge and um, Bogart sign, who could probably get more AAV than him. He, He really wanted to be on the Phillies, it seemed like. Um, gets to go back and play with Bryce again, play with Schwarber again. Um, he wanted to be on the East Coast. People kept hitting on that point, and it seemed to totally be true because we found out today that the Padres actually offered him $342 million. We don't know the length of that contract, but that would have been more money than Lindor got, which would be the record for a shortstop. Yeah. Um, and... Like Trey is is kind of the position version of Justin Verlander, in my opinion. Like it, he's he's a shortstop, 
plays a premier position on the field. Um, and he's great defensively. And he's kind of a five-tool guy. He's a 300 average guy. He can hit 20 homers. Uh, he steals a ton of bases. Um, he's been in, like 99th or 100th percentile in speed in the majors every year he's been in the majors. Um, and so now he gets this big deal. Uh, oh, he's been on the field, mind you, 148 games or more, uh, or basically 95% of the season or more in one, two, three, four of the last five seasons. So he's a guy that's going to be on the field. He's going to produce. He signed him for 11 years. His speed is probably not going to stay 100th percentile for all 11 years. That would be ridiculous to expect that. But we've seen in football with Tom Brady. These guys are starting to take care of their bodies to the point where they can keep doing these really obscure physical feats for longer and longer and longer. Trey's 30 years old, and he is the fastest guy in the league or one of the top five. Like, I there's the typical aging speed curve. He's kind of already so, broken so it. I want to say something about, about the speed thing. A lot of people have this thought about speed players, um, like, not aging well. And I think that applies to speed-only players. If, you, if speed is, like, your main one thing that is your best trait, and maybe, maybe that is Turner's best, best skill – but his other skills are so good that even if he loses some skill, the guy makes lots of contact. He's got moderate power. He plays good defense. He's got a great arm. I think I would, I'm not really like too concerned about the Phillies giving him 11 years. Yeah. And I think it's going to work out fine. I think he's going to be playing well late into his 30s. Well, and he kind of, uh, where my brain goes when I think 11 years down the road, what is Trey Turner going to be? I kind of think Justin Turner now. I think he's going to be that same guy. He's going to transition to a different position on the field at some point. Like 40-year-old shortstops just kind of don't exist. Um, he'll be getting paid by the Phillies till he's 41 almost. Um, like at some point, he'll move to third base. He'll probably move to second before that maybe. I don't know. We'll We'll see. But, like, I, I I don't really think you're concerned about this until about year 9, 10, 11, are you? I'm, not, I'm never worried about that, the back end of big contracts for these big, like, main guys. You're, you don't even care about that. Right now, you care about 2023, 2024, maybe 2025. It, it's, it's not even like you're going to be paying them, like, $50 in whatever year that is fake year 2030 something. Yeah. Um, Sorry. We got a hat change in the, in the side. So pay no mind to me holding up hats. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, Oh, I got to do a hat change right quick. I really need to disable that as we're doing live recordings, but oh well. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but, but what does this Turner contract mean for Dansby, for Xander, for Correa? Like, 
I'm not sure it really means a whole lot. I think the the number 342 being put out there in the ether might help Correa out a bit. I feel I felt like he was already going to break that, and I don't think this changes much. Because I, I think it guarantees it, though, almost. Not not a guarantee, maybe. but I think it pr- it comes as close to guaranteeing it as you possibly can. All all these deals have come in maybe bigger in years or or dollars than we would have thought. So that's just kind of what the market is saying right now. Yeah. So I think all all the three other shortstops are going to do quite well. Um, I'm not sure any other team is going to want to give out 11 years. No, I, I actually still kind of expect the uh, uh, Xander and Dansby, and this is just me speculating. I do kind of still expect them to be in that five, six year, $165, $180 million range is kind of what I'm what I'm personally expecting uh, those guys are going to get. I think Correa is probably going to get 10 plus years, but it, it just kind of feels like last year where you had Seager that got the 10 years and then everyone else was kind of getting like the five, six. So, yeah, but I do think it's going to raise the the values of those up because I was originally thinking six, one sixty five was going to be what Xander gets. And now I'm kind of thinking it's going to be closer to, to six, one eighty, one eighty five, two hundred. Yeah. I think so. So, um, so those were the, the big, big signings that we've had so far. Uh, we've had quite a few other signings, uh, that have happened and, and some of these guys have got really good deals, um, for, for the players. Uh, you had Zach Eflin get the largest free agent contract in, is it in Ray's history? Is that what it is? In 25 years. Yeah. The the most guaranteed money in twenty five years to a free yeah. agent forty million dollars for 40 three million. years. Um, yeah, which is a nice deal for Zach Eflin, by the way, because I I wouldn't have pegged him to be getting that much, but he's he's like a perfectly fine pitcher, and it just kind of shows where where the market is for starting pitchers right now. There's not a whole lot of them that you can you know rely on give you a bunch of innings and i think that's what eflin kind of does he hasn't done it recently but like he's got great control he throws a lot of pitches there's a lot to like and and the rays always do well with these guys bringing these guys in starting pitchers and they've done it in the past i i think it's going to go well yeah uh, and Eflin was kind of one of those guys that I wasn't even sure if he was going to stay in the in a rotation or in a bullpen or whatever but it it uh what is that? Thirteen million a year? I you almost has to be in the rotation, right? Yeah, definitely. and I mean, great spot to go if if you're a pitcher who's trying to unlock that next level is Tampa. Like they seem to do a lot with pitchers, um, so I really like that for him. We've also seen a couple other guys uh, get some pretty some pretty good deals, uh, helping out the the uh, other players on the market and Chris Martin who got two years, 17 and a half mil uh, from the Red Sox. Um, you've had Matt Boyd go back to the Tigers for one year, 10 mil Kyle Gibson going to Baltimore, Baltimore spending money on free agents who are not the worst free agents available. Kyle Gibson's not like the biggest, best name there is, but it's a step up from what they've got. Um, so oh, yeah. he gets 10 million for one year. Like 
I'm kind of seeing a, a trend here, and it's that players are finally starting to get these kind of higher value deals compared to uh, postseasons past or uh, off seasons past. Um, kind of feels like is this part of the CBA change and like the the whole reimagining how teams go about it? Because like tanking. It, while people did it this year is probably going to start disappearing a little bit. Cause like, it, yeah, Pittsburgh just got the number one pick. They were a pretty bad team, but they weren't the worst team in the league. Um, yeah, you had the I second worst team in the league. That's a good the point. Like, there was sort of like a thought. There was one thought that the new CBA with, um, expanded, playoffs and everything might make it so less teams would be trying because they wouldn't necessarily need to win as many games to make the playoffs. But the other thing might actually be happening where more teams actually want to spend because they want to at least improve their team enough to be in the running because it it shouldn't really take that much to get there, but it does require some amount of trying and it's good to see teams like Baltimore and, uh, Tampa actually spending a little bit more money. We're going to talk about the Guardians actually giving out a a real free agent contract for the first time in years now. Yeah. Um, now, notice it's still not a multi-year deal. So when are we going to get our first multi-year deal from uh, the current Baltimore contingent? Maybe maybe Carlos Rodon. Maybe Carlos Rodon. Maybe Carlos Correa. They've been rumored to be talking uh, to some of the big free agent shortstops. Just checking in. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's big. But like, I think we kind of spoke that rumor into existence. Honestly, we've been talking about that for what a couple months. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been talking about it for a long time. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, so it's nice to see some of these teams that are not typically doing stuff kind of doing some stuff like they're not huge, splashy moves. Matt Boyd was already on the Tigers until he got traded last year. Like they just kind of brought him back. But he only pitched, what, 16, 18 innings last year? Pitched like he only pitched 13 innings with uh, with. Seattle after he was with the Giants at the beginning of the season. He never even pitched for the Giants. And he got traded midseason and then pitched out of the bullpen for a little bit. Um, and we got some breaking news here. Uh, Taiwan Walker is close to a deal with the Phillies. Ooh. So there's another starting pitcher off the board that's kind of in that mid-tier that um, I feel like he would get more than a Boyd or a Gibson. And he might get Two or three years, I would, I would presume. I caution, I caution you. Uh, John Heyman's the one that reported it. Probably wouldn't. Someone else reported it. Robert Murray reported it. So I trust him a little bit more. All right. Well, um, Heyman was, was on screen here. Um, Oh, Jeff Passon has it. Okay. Okay. It's true. Um, now they're talking. Talking more, uh, Willie. Um, but yeah. Oh, they got John Mosellock on right now. Okay, that explains why they're talking about Willie. 
but yeah, so so this has been a really interesting first couple days of of the um, the winter meetings, and and we'll get back to some of the stuff that happened today. But I want to go back and actually talk a little bit about stuff that happened before the winter meeting started. Um, and so we talked last week about the Hunter Renfro trade, right? Yes. Yeah. So it kind of seemed like what is Milwaukee doing? They trade away um, the best hitter on their team. There, it kind of felt like maybe they were going to go in the direction of rebuild. Maybe they were going to try and just like get other guys to try and compete because they got uh, what two pitchers back for Renfro. They got three, three, three pitchers, pitchers back, back for yeah. Renfro. Well, this week they go out and we were talking last week about how Seattle needed a le- or was looking for a left-handed um, hitting second baseman. I mentioned that there were some rumors of Colton Wong. Well, they ended up being true. Colton Wong moved out to Seattle. So now you've lost Renfro and you've lost Colton Wong. You did get Jesse Winker, um, who kind of was left without a spot after the Teo uh, trade happened. Um and they also got Abraham Toro, who uh, can kind of play all over the infield. Not an elite player by any means, but a, a decent utility guy. Um, and, and so that was kind of the the big pre-winter meetings move. Uh, I really like this trade, actually, for both sides. I think it's really, really good for um, Seattle. Because, one, you've cleared up some roster space with two guys who really weren't going to be a factor in your in your team this year, and Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. Um, you get the left-handed hitting second baseman. That's an upgrade over Adam Frazier. So you've just solved two problems right there. And then from Milwaukee's standpoint, you get Jesse Winker back who had a, a down season last year. He went to one of the least hitter friendly parks in the majors and just kind of struggled. Well, now he's in Milwaukee where he's played quite a few games in his career so far. And he, it's it's a hitter's park. The ball kind of carries there. I feel like this is a really good spot for Jesse Winker to go and find his swing again and kind of bounce back to what he was in Cincinnati. Like, it's not Great American Ballpark, but he'll get to play there a lot. And Miller Park is pretty good for, for hitters like him, too. So I like this trade. Yeah. But what are your thoughts? I like it. I like it for both sides, too. Winker, yeah, like you said, he really struggled. Didn't really seem like he fit on that team very well. He just stopped hitting the ball as hard as he used to. Um, I don't know. Like He just wasn't nearly the hitter that he was. Maybe it was the injuries. He had a neck injury. Um, I think he, he needs a fresh start. Brewers have the opportunity for him. With Renfro gone, he's, he's kind of filling that spot for them. And... Um, Wong is also, like you said, an upgrade for them at second base, and that should be good for them. Um, (coughs) And then, excuse me, the one other big piece that kind of came out right here at the beginning of the the winter meetings, also in the NL Central, is that Brian Reynolds has requested a trade from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I feel like this has been a long time coming. Like, he's been the best player on the worst team for a couple years now. And there's been rumors that maybe he'd get traded because they're just not going to be competitive. And then they've gone out and so far their their big move was Carlos Santana and G-Man Choi. 
Yeah. So it really doesn't feel like Bob Nutting is putting money into the team to get them competitive. Now that O'Neill Cruz and Kibrian Hayes are there, it kind of seems like he's just expecting things to naturally happen and in them to be good all of a sudden and be able to compete in the NL central. And that's just simply not the case. Um, right. And uh, going back to nutting, he supposedly offered uh, Brian Reynolds, the biggest contract in pirates history, which is actually not really saying that much because the biggest contract in pirates history is key. Brian Hayes's $70 million contract. So it was probably pretty insulting for Brian Reynolds. I understand why he would be, asking for a trade when he does reach free agency, he's going to probably be one of the most coveted outfielders in, in whatever the year that ends up. Yeah, being. He's a, he's um, a switch hitting center fielder that has some speed, can steal some bags. Like what is not to like about that guy? Yeah. And he's got three more years of team control right now. So the pirates are kind of, I guess I would say they're doing the right thing by saying that they are not trading him because if they do say they're trading him, they, they kind of lose some, some of the leverage there. Yeah. I don't really believe them when they say they're not trading him. I would, I would still think that they will try to find a match for him and it, um, they would be stupid. They not should be to. able to bring back a, a major haul for, for Reynolds. Yeah. They would be stupid not to honestly. And, and maybe what they're going to do is they're going to wait for the Sean Murphy trade to happen because the Sean Murphy trade is probably a good baseline of what you're going to get for Brian Reynolds. Cause Brian Reynolds is, is a position that I think carries more value, even though it doesn't really seem like it should. Um, but just naturally a center fielder is going to be worth more than a catcher. Um, and he's a better hitter than Sean Murphy. He can steal bags. Sean Murphy can't like, it just seems like whatever Sean Murphy gets as a return is, is like half or maybe two thirds of what you're going to get for Brian Reynolds with the same amount of control left for both of them. So maybe that's what they're doing. I hadn't thought about it from that. I hadn't thought about it from that <laughs> perspective, but yeah, comparing those two guys, cause they're in the same, um, you know, arbitration class. But the other part of it is the Aaron judge and the Brandon Nimmo sweepstakes. Once those two guys are gone, there's a major drop off in the outfielders that are actually available. So then all the teams that missed out on those two guys are going to be calling the pirates and saying, can we get Brian Reynolds? Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the same thing with, with um, Sean Murphy right now too. Like you've still got yeah, Wilson yeah, Contreras the out there. Thing. Like as soon as Wilson Contreras yep. is gone, then you got to drop off. Like, yeah, Christian Vasquez is there. He's okay. Um, yeah. But like, then what? Then you got to go try and get Sean Murphy because Christian Vasquez isn't really the guy. Like, I don't know. Um, oh, wow. Taiwan Walker got $71 million for four years. Whoa. Okay, that is way more than I expected. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's yeah. see. Where's my calculator? Here it is. Uh, you said 71 over four, 17.75 million AAV. Um, that is a good deal. I kind of expected him to be there in that Eflin range of around that 13 mil a year. Uh, and I didn't think it would be for four. Wow. That's, that's quite the deal. And uh, this is sort of uh, on a tangent here, but the Phillies now are, are getting very close to reaching the luxury tax threshold if they haven't already crossed it now. So they are 
absolutely all in. Their lineup is fantastic with the addition of Turner. Uh, they've got the two aces and Nola and, and Wheeler, and now they they're kind of bolstering the back end of that rotation. They're they're pushing all the chips. Yeah, because well, so let's actually just go back and just talk about the Phillies kind of in full here for a minute. So with Trey, you now can move Reese Hoskins back in the lineup, have a guy with a higher average up front. So you've got Schwarber and Trey, and then you've got uh, what JT and Bryce. Well, Bryce will be out for for the first half of the year. They they kind of said today. Um, oh shoot, what's his what's his name? I, Rob, I Rob Schneider. He will miss like about half. The season. Yeah, Rob Schneider was saying that he, not Rob Schneider. Rob Rob Thompson. Uh, Rob Thompson was saying that uh, he'll be back probably in. Um, uh, the all-star break as a DH and then another month or two, he'll be able to play in the field is kind of the expectation for Bryce right now. So in his absence, Trey is going to be kind of one of your big producers. But then as soon as Bryce is back, then all of a sudden you've got Schwarber, Trey, uh, you know, Hoskins, Real Muto, Castellanos, yeah, and, and Harper. And, uh, and you would, Alex and you Bohm. would expect that uh, Castellanos is going to bounce back from whatever the heck just happened last year. There's no way that he's that. Meh. Absolutely. So yeah. this lineup is scary. I think it's the best lineup in the National League, if not the majors. Yeah. Right it's literally the same lineup you had last year. Take out Gene Segura, who loved Gene Segura, really good player, did a lot of good things for Philly, but you replace him with Trey Turner, move Bryson Stott over to second base. Like, yes, please. And then now in your rotation, you've still got Nola and Wheeler. You have Ranger Suarez. You've now got Tawan Walker. Um, so you got one more spot in the rotation to fill. And then your bullpen. Like, that's a good spot to be in, especially if you just came off a World Series appearance. So. For sure, yeah. And you said that's 17 million. 1775. Right? For Walker. Yep. So that, yeah, that would push the Phillies above the first uh, luxury tax threshold of th- 233. Yeah, but John Middleton doesn't really seem like he cares. And I mean, he brought in, he, he brought shouldn't. in Dave Dabrowski to be the GM. Like he knew what he was getting himself into. And they just made the world series. Yeah. Like they, they've got the money. They, they'll be fine. Mr. Billionaire will be fine. You don't worry about yeah. him. All right. So what do you say we get back to some more of the free agents and the rumors? Uh, but let's talk about today, because there's been some pretty, pretty yeah. interesting moves today. Nothing is splashy as Trey Turner to the Phillies or Verlander to the Mets, but Josh Bell to the Guardians. This is the first like actual free agent that the Guardians have signed in like three off seasons. Yeah. Two years, thirty three million dollars with an opt out after or in the middle. Like, uh, okay, we got a number for Carlos Estevez, by the way. It was seven mil. Okay, seven mil for two years. Um, oh, but yeah, so Josh Bell, um, getting what, sixteen and a half million dollars a year and opt out in the middle to play first base for Cleveland, who I think last year was at Carlos Santana or no, Na- uh, it was mostly yeah. Naylor, but. Yeah. So, well, it, I, yeah, I don't know what they'll do. Probably Naylor will DH. Well, and Josh more. Bell can play right field, too. He can. I he, wouldn't do that. I would rather him than Naylor. 
Let's not do that. I would rather him than Naylor. <laughs> and they've, they've done that in the past. Um, <laughs> Let's just keep those guys on first base. And just keep them on the dirt. But the, All right. I mean, I like Bell. I think he's an okay player. The only issue that I have with him is like, he's not, he looks like a power hitter. He looks like he could hit a bunch of home runs, but I don't actually consider Josh Bell to be a true power hitter. He's, he's only had the one season in 2019 with the juice ball where he really popped off and hit a bunch of home well, runs. And it, he has this problem with ground balls. He, Go for he's, right. It. He's a, a little reminiscent of Cody Bellinger though. And, and like, he doesn't always have the same swing, right? Doesn't he kind of change up his swing a lot? And he's not really found one that he's very inconsistent from what I've seen. Yeah. And that, that even shows in just what happened this past season that I think hurt the the total value of his contract in the first half with Washington, he was having some of the best stretch of games that he'd ever had. Then he gets traded to San Diego and, and he was downright bad for the Padres. He hit like 15% more ground balls, uh, just was not doing anything he was doing in the first half. So if, if Cleveland gets the player that he was in the first half last year, then you're liking the deal a little bit more. If if he if he can't solve the issues that he had, then I don't I don't Cleveland's biggest issue is that the, their lack of power. And I'm not sure that Josh Bell is a clear cut solution to that. Like he could be, but he may not be. Yeah. Hopefully their their uh hitting coaches can can help him figure something out there because he does have power in his frame. He's just never figured and out. He how to also use hits it. the ball incredibly hard. He's always had great exit velocities and stuff like now, that. Now he probably will benefit a little bit from the uh, limited shift as well. So like all those worm burners and everything might pop through a little bit more often. So you don't really worry as much with the limited shift. But yeah, you want to see him elevate that ball because he can put it out of the yard. He just doesn't elevate the ball. So. Uh, but I do really think that's a good signing from Cleveland, and I kind of think it shows that Cleveland is maybe willing to. They're not going to go out of their their norm and like sign a ton of free agents. They're not going to go get Aaron Judge, but they're kind of spending some money to help try and bolster the young core that they've got that they're spending almost nothing on. Like, yeah. And and let's not forget, it's not we're not so far removed from Cleveland actually spending money in free agency and spending on their players. They used to be like top half of the American League, like when they made the World Series, for example. They they were carrying a pretty like decent payroll. It's only been like the last couple of years. So hopefully this is a rebound back to their old spending habits. Yeah. So um Let's see. We've already talked about Heaney to the Rangers a little bit, um, but he did get a two-year, twenty-five million dollar deal with an opt-out in the middle. Uh, that's that's a pretty solid deal for Andrew Heaney too, isn't it? Because he, he was coming off uh, an injury-shortened season, right? Yeah, he's had tons of injury-shortened seasons, but last year the the Dodgers unlocked something. No surprise there, but he was amazing when he pitched. He struck out like 35% of batters. Um, he he only pitched like what, about 90 innings? Uh, I think, 72. Year. 72 innings, but he had like a 310 ERA. Um, 
he was really effective. I think the biggest thing that kept him to just a two-year, $25 million deal is how many times he's been injured and the fact that he's going to be 32 this upcoming season. Yeah, I love this deal for the Rangers. I think there's a lot of potential for him to be a really key member of their rotation this year if he does stay healthy. Yeah, I agree with you. And honestly, I I kind of think that the the money there on that deal is kind of fitting to where if he uh if he's dealing with injuries, you could throw him in the bullpen and not uh, just to to save part of his season and not hate yourself cuz like 12 and a half mil is a lot for a reliever. But if he comes out and he pitches, what, five, six, seven starts in the first half, goes down with an injury, he comes back, but you're not sure he's going to have the length, you could put him in the bullpen. He's pitched out of there before. He pitched, uh, what, um, 35 innings with New York in 2021, about half of them out of the bullpen, and he was pretty solid there. Like, uh, his ERA didn't really show it, but he was better yeah, that big home run. Problem. Yeah, he yeah. was he was better than his numbers showed, um, pitching out of the bullpen. Um, so, yeah, this guy, yeah, talent has never been the issue with Heaney. I think it's more it's been two things: it's been the injuries and it's been the home runs. And last year, um, he still gave up a lot of home runs, but um, he um, started like striking out a lot of people too. So. I like it. I like it for the Rangers. Yeah, me too. Um, so now we're going to go a little closer to home for you. Cody B. I'm just, I'm not even going to talk about this one. You tell me about Cody B. Yeah. So Cody Bellinger signed with the Cubs. Uh, Scott Boris is his agent and he was making it very clear that Cody Bellinger would only be signing one year deals, even though, Plenty of other teams are interested. There were like 11 teams interested in this guy. Um, many offering multi-year deals, but Bellinger coming off two really bad offensive seasons since his um, MVP season in 2019. He just has not been the same guy, whether that be injury, his messed up swing, um, whatever the Dodgers hitting coaches are telling him was not clicking with him or something. But I think him coming to the Cubs makes sense from his perspective first, because he'll get to play. There's openings at his two positions, center field and first base. So it's not like he's going to be at risk of falling into a platoon. Um, He should get plenty of playing time. And um, that's like the main reason I think he would want to come to the Cubs from the Cubs perspective they fill one of their biggest needs in, in getting a, a real center fielder. If Bellinger never rebounds as a batter, at the minimum, he's Kevin Kiermeyer in the field. And we know he has the upside to be like an MVP candidate, and he's only 27 years old. Well, and from, from my standpoint, him moving to the NL Central is probably a really, really good move for a one-year prove-it deal. Because, yeah, you're not getting 19 games uh, against each division uh, uh, rival each year. You're now getting 13, 14, 14, 14 I think. Um, but you're still going to get seven games in um, Great American Ballpark. You're going to get seven games in um, Miller Park. You're going to get uh, you're going to get games in Pittsburgh, which is not 
the most hitter friendly, but it's not Bush Stadium. But it's the Pirates. Pitchers. Yeah, it's the Pirates pitchers. Um, Bush is probably going to be the hardest spot to hit in that in that division. And I mean, the Cardinals pitchers tend to give up some home runs. Um, so, like, that's a really good spot for a one year prove it deal on a team that is unless they go make a ton of big moves this offseason, which it sounds like they have the money to do it. Um, now, can we just talk about the Cubs here? Because the move to get Bellinger as a Cubs fan has me encouraged because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for that to be the main move or the only move. It kind of tells me that they're going to do some other stuff, potentially very big stuff. And that's what all the rumors have been leading me to believe that they're going to be adding some major pieces alongside. Well, and some of these rumors that they're in on are big ones. Kode Singa, who is uh, fielding five year plus offers um, to come over from Japan as a pitcher. Um, You've got all three of the remaining free agent shortstops um, in that list. Um, You've got, they're talking on Sean Murphy. Uh, They're talking on. They're. They've got to be talking on more, right? I think it was like, yeah, like Chris Bassett. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like they're, they're, I think Christian Vasquez, like there's tons of guys that they've, they've got offers out for that uh, Jed Hoyer was talking about yesterday. And the big one that was confirmed again today was a report that Tom Ricketts has told Jed that he has the green light to spend whatever he needs to, to, to improve the team. So this is just the start and the amount of money that they paid Bellinger like does not matter. It's, it's a one year deal. It it almost seems like Bellinger could have taken more to go play somewhere else. And it seems like he, he probably took less to come to the Cubs because hopefully they've told him they're going to surround him with a good offense and he's going to get to play every day. Yeah. And and I think that play every day is probably the key. Like with yeah. other teams that are sport or that were uh, kind of courting him, um, teams like the Blue Jays probably. Like the like, Blue Jays, yeah. You you the could Blue Jays assume, wouldn't have guaranteed that he he would have played every day. Yeah, you think. could assume he would probably play more often than not, but it doesn't seem like there was an yeah. everyday spot for him. Um, same thing if like he went to. I guess if he went to the Giants, he probably would have played every day. Um, but <coughs> or they would have tried to platoon him with Jock, but that would be stupid. Um, no, they wouldn't have platooned him with Jock, aren't they both lefties? Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Uh, I take back what I just said. Um, but yeah, like this just it, it, this seems like the perfect fit it makes a ton of sense i'm really really happy for cody b i hate that he's going to be playing against the cardinals not really thrilled because i think the cubs are going to help him figure out his swing i think a change of pace new coaches is what he needs to get back to maybe not mv belly um but closer to it closer to that rookie of the year season that mvp season there's just no way that he's as bad as he's been. So I really like this for him. I'm terrified of next year facing him and the Cubs if they go out and make some of these other moves. But And those other moves, right? Uh, there was there was a one report 
that there was a scenario saying that there's a scenario where they could sign two of the big shortstops. Can you imagine that? It would basically be what the Rangers did last year when they signed Simeon Seeger. You can go out and you get Swanson and, and Xander uh, Bogart. Now, like that's that's massive right there. Now it does beg the question: Who plays third? Because you've got Nico. Nico, you would yeah, want at second. So, I don't think you want Nico at third. So I think your two shortstops will be playing short and third. Is Xander the third baseman? Yeah. Is he a Boris client? I, he uh, he's not going to go to third. Mm, I don't know that Boris would do that. He he might not. Yeah. So. Yeah, that. But here's a, here's actually what I was going to tell you before the show. So I was watching some interviews with AJ Preller and um, Andrew Friedman, who were talking with MLB Network, and they both brought up this one specific thought that I had had yesterday, and and I liked hearing that they're kind of like thinking the same thing that I am. And at the end of the day, like you don't, you're not worried about. Um, like where they fit exactly on the field. The most important thing is getting the good players. The other things will work themselves out. They both said that exact same thing. Um, so like, if that's what we're worried about here, who's going to play third base like that, that's not, we're losing the plot. That, I think. That's fair. I, I think maybe my point comes m- more important with a team like the guardians getting Josh Bell, like, a team where it's like you've got too many middle infielders and first basemen and no outfielders. Josh Naylor will will hurt himself swinging a bat or something. Yeah, be, but that still leaves be, it all works. That still out. leaves two glaring holes in the. Well, I guess Stephen Kwan's probably fine. It leaves one and a half glaring holes in right field, and then the offense that comes out of your center fielder. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um. So so the Cubs are kind of in that phase of. They just need good players because they have holes everywhere. Bellinger is a is a start, but there's so much more that needs to happen, especially on the infield with where they are right now. Yeah. Um, so we've still got quite a bit to go through today. What do you say we do a little bit of a longer episode? Because I do want to talk about some of these more other rumors, but I want to talk about the last of the free agents that signed too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the last free agent that signed today, uh, the last bigger contract that signed today, Mitch Haniger to the San Francisco Giants. It happened while we were live here. Um, three years, $43.5 million. So it's $14.5 million AAV um, to go and play, I would assume, right field over in uh, San Francisco, right? So you got Jock that's platooning in left. I don't remember who they got in center. And then Haniger over in right. Um, yeah, I like this move in a vacuum. I think there's other moves that have to be made to make this make sense. Like Hanniger instantly becomes probably your best offensive player, right? And, and he's uh, coming off injuries would, where he's not been say, yeah. like he's not been the surest thing because of the the kind of freak accident injuries. Um, he's a bona fide slugger yeah. though, and that's kind of what the Giants' offense needs a little bit more of. They've got like some complimentary pieces. So you got your Mike Yastrzemski's and your Wilmer Flores's and your jock, but like you need more. Yeah. And, and Jeff Passon was very clear to say that this does not take him out of the running for, and, for Aaron and that's Judge. the key. And, and that was actually what I was going to, going to ask you is because Hanniger is a really good get for an outfielder. I thought Hanniger would have been a great fit with Texas with everything that they're doing. 
makes sense to me that they're going after pitching because, I mean, that was kind of their biggest weakness. So, yeah, absolutely. Go get your pitchers. If Hanniger was left, I thought they should have gone for him. San Francisco seems to have picked up on the fact that that's a really good player to get. And at 14 and a half mil a year, you're not really getting too close to your your luxury tax there at all. Um, And so it leaves the ability for Aaron Judge um, to potentially still come. And it was rumored today by John Heyman uh, that Aaron Judge was offered a $360 million contract by the Giants. Uh, the years was not mentioned, but uh, I believe it was J.P. Morosi was saying that he kind of expects it uh, to be a nine-year, $360 million offer that puts it at 40 mil AAV. That's a big number. That would shatter that, just that would shatter the position player number for AAV. You know, let's just get crazy with it. Just give the man $400 million in 10 I, years. Just that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um if these, so I want to ask if uh, we, we've talked, I think they've talked a lot about the Giants and the Yankees as being the contenders for Judge, but you've got to think there's other teams out there. What are the Red Sox doing? Are there other teams that could be involved in this? It, it Maybe. So I'm really confused by the Red Sox because it seems like they should be in on Judge. They should be making waves with the fact that they're in on Judge. Um, just because. It, if anything, it drives up the price for the Yankees. Like, yeah. but then they've got Xander that's still out there. They were talking a day, and I can't remember the name of their new GM. I thought it was Chain Bloom, but apparently I was wrong. I'm time. Yeah. So I'm. Um, yeah. Well, I thought it was him. Apparently, it's not. It's been someone else since 2019. But that is who it is. That's their okay. Guy. Um, well, whoever they had on, on MLB network today was not bloom. Uh, but he was talking about how they love Xander. They would love to have him back, but then it doesn't seem like they're actually putting in the, the effort to bring him back. Um, you would think that they would hold all the cards. Like he's been there since he signed as an international free agent at the age of like 16 or something from Aruba. Why have they not made a massive offer to get him to come back? Like, why have they not extended Devers? Why are they not in rumors for Judge? Like, it, what are they doing? They were in fifth place last year behind Baltimore. Hmm. And they're, they're two moves that they've made so far. Not that they're necessarily done. They, there's no way they can be done. But their two moves have been adding two relievers. Because it was Joely Rodriguez and Chris Martin. Oh, Joely Rodriguez went there too? I must have missed that one. But yeah. Yeah, like it just this makes no sense to me. Um at all. It honestly that makes less sense than what the Yankees are doing, and what the Yankees are doing also doesn't really seem to make sense to me. Like what what do you think? What's wrong with what the Yankees are doing? I think their number one priority is signing Judge, and then they go from there. Well, it is, but then all of their comments have been kind of uh, it, like, especially today, they put out a lot of tweets that said like, "Well, there's a lot of different roads we're uh, we're probably going to be going or uh, having to choose between." Like, it sounds like they're already giving up on the fact that they that he's going to go to San Francisco, like. And then they uh, came out and Cashman got extended for four years. Um, 
and they made a big deal about that. It seemed like maybe it was going to be a precursor to them announcing Judge signing. It wasn't whatever, uh, but Judge is now talking about how he's not happy about um, the offer last year being leaked because he asked to keep that private. Um, Cashman leaked it anyway. Um, and then there was like Time Magazine. He was the sportsman of the year for them. And then he and his uh, wife were quoted as talking about like 10 years ago, they were talking about where you'd be in 10 years. And he said, uh, where I see myself is married to you and wearing a Giants uniform. Like, it kind of seems like everyone is just given up to the fact that he's probably going to the San Francisco. I'm, I'm not sure I'm putting stock into that thing that he said, well, but also, I, I, yeah. yeah, we we don't know. Like, we, we have no idea what Aaron Judge wants, and we don't know what these teams are now, offering right now. The other bit here that I thought was funny uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, I think I, I think I DM'd it to you on Twitter yesterday. Um, yeah. So when JV went to the Mets, Kate Upton did an interview and said, we had a higher offer from the other New York team, but we wanted to go where the fans don't boo their own. Sorry, Hal. So it, it kind of makes me think that that's actually a thing that people think about is like, they don't want to be booed by their own fans. Is that something? Cause uh, judge, that I've heard both sides of it, that they were booing the umpire. Some people think they were booing Aaron judge think, for striking out. I think in general, Yankees fans absolutely love Aaron judge. They're going to riot if, if they don't. Well, yeah, him. I, I agree, but it just, it kind of feels like that <laughs> might be something that's weighing on him though. If he's not signed back yet, like they offered to make him captain of the Yankees. He's pretty much going to monument park. At this point, you can pretty much guarantee that if he signs back, he's in Monument Park eventually. Like, it seems like there are so many reasons that he should be tempted to have already signed back if they're offering 360 mil, 400 mil. Why are they not? Doesn't seem like it should be that hard. Yeah, maybe he just really wants to play at where he grew up, you know? Could be. But, I don't know. It just... And I mean, I know MLB Network is literally just trying to have content to put out. So I know that they're talking a bunch of stuff that's that's full of crap, but it brings up interesting talking points. So um, see here, I think we've got basically two more big rumors. Um, maybe maybe three here, but uh Let's talk a little bit about Sean Murphy again. I know we talked about him at the very beginning um, with kind of his comparison to Brian Reynolds, but he is unquestionably on the trade block. If he's not on a different team by opening day, Oakland is messed up. Is that a fair statement? Uh, Yeah, I I would assume he's going to get traded before the season starts. Um, especially being a catcher and I know teams have hesitancy bringing in a new catcher mid season. So maybe he wouldn't fetch as much, uh, midway through anyways, he's got three years of control and they've got, you know, we, we talked about this last week that they've got catchers in their pipeline too. It just makes a lot of sense for him to get moved. And then when you, when you throw in the number of teams, that are looking and have now been rumored to be in on Murphy. It's 
how can they not do really well in this deal? Yeah, exactly. And the the teams that are actually in on it, like the Cardinals are a team that have been linked to Sean Murphy since last year. Um, it really, the Guardians. the Guardians as well. And those are the two that have been talked about the most. But it seems now, like especially today, the Cardinals have been rumored even more heavily to Wilson Contreras. Um, they met with him last week. Ali Marmol confirmed that today. They went down to Florida, uh, him and um, him and Mo, and uh, they had a pretty long conversation that they said was very, very positive. They're they're kind of implying that there's there's some pretty good legs under that rumor. Um, so if the Cardinals get Contreras, like that takes him out of the Murphy market. But if I were the A's, I would 100% be trying to get the Cardinals to take Murphy. Cause like, I think the Cardinals and the guardians probably have the best farm systems to get return pieces. They do want major league pieces, which is a little bit more of a question, but the Cardinals have Gorman. They've got a gluttony of uh, outfielders um, like Alec Burleson's major league ready. You've got Lars Newtbar, you've got Tyler O'Neill, you've got Dylan Carlson. Like there's, there's a bunch of people to build a package around. So it seems like the A's should be trying to get the Cardinals to, to go um, kind of the same thing with Cleveland, but who else is there that could realistically go and make this big move for Sean Murphy that would get the return that Oakland is expecting. Do you know, can you remind me of those other teams? I, I know I saw the Cubs. I think the twins were in there, the diamondbacks. I mean, there's so many. Yeah, I, I think Houston's checking in on them in case they miss out on Wilson Houston, Contreras. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know that there's... Houston makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's been like a whole bunch of names that have been uh, have been thrown out there of teams other than the Cardinals and the Guardians. Like, from there, it's like it's a third of the league. You could kind of just guess a team and they're probably in it. I would guess the Yankees are probably at least conversing. Um, would be stupid if they weren't. Yeah, they got Jose Trevino. Um, but if you could have Sean Murphy, why wouldn't you? Especially if you don't end up bringing judge back somehow, like go get someone who's going to make a splash. So <laughs> I'm just thinking how Yankees fans would react to that. We lost judge, but we got Sean Murphy. No one's, they're not going to care. And sign Carlos Correa. Don't just do one, do both. <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, so, it, but I, I, that Murphy market is, is really intriguing to me though. Like if the Cardinals don't get him, it kind of seems like he'll be on Cleveland. Just from the, I, I can, I can in my head put together what that package would look like. I think, um, I know they're saying that they want major league pieces, but I was going through this yesterday. Like, I kind of think like you'd end up with like Gabriel Arias, who is major league ready. Um, you would probably get a pitcher who's been up. Uh, Aaron Savali is the one that kind of came to mind for me. Um, you would probably ask for someone a little bit better, but you would take Savali. Um, Carson Tucker, I thought would be part of that package. And then you would probably have another like high level minor league pitcher or a major league pitcher piece. 
That's a lot. It, it is a lot, but it's three years of control of a catcher. Like, of, of a really good offensive catcher, mind you, who's a gold glove guy as well. So it kind of feels like that's what they're going to be asking for, and it feels like the Guardians can do that. So that's why, I, and the Cardinals package would be pretty similar. I thought it would be like um, Gorman and either McGreevy or Gordon, uh, Gordon Graceffo, um, and then like two more minor league pieces, maybe. Um, I don't know. So yeah. you're probably right. It's going to cost a lot with all these teams involved. Yeah. Cubs are getting in there to drive up the price, you know? And and that's kind of why I think that there's a lot of these teams that are checking in. It's just to drive the price up. Like, yep. Um, all right. The last thing that we've got listed on our rundown, Minnesota Twins, maybe putting Luis Arise on the block. They said they would only trade Arise if they could get top-level starting pitching talent. What does that actually mean? Yeah, so... So if they can actually get, uh, you know, like a number two starting pitcher for our eyes, I do that like in an instant. No, no thinking about it. Like he's got an awesome skill set. He he makes more contact than just about anybody in the league. You know, always hits for average. And I was going to say he was uh, the batting champion with like a three twenty three twenty eight average last year, right? Yeah. So his his value cannot be higher than it is right now, coming off the batting title. But the guy does not really have any power. He's a terrible defender. And um, he's just sort of like a one-dimensional player. Like, he does get on base at a good clip as well as hitting. So he's not like Nick Madden. Does he remind you of Donovan Solano, but better? Kind of, yeah. All right. So, like, it's, it's a limited... He's not Trey Turner. He's not like got all those bunch of skills. He's got one skill that he's elite at. If you can turn that into a pitcher, you're going to do that. Just looking at the prices of starting pitchers. These yeah, days. that's true. But like, who's who's like one of those pitchers that could potentially get the deal done that would even be available? They, I keep seeing rumors about like teams that have surplus starting pitchers, and I don't know what team that is. What, are you talking like a Pablo Lopez? If you can get Pablo Lopez for Luis Arise, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, maybe you're right. But yeah, I just I thought that one was kind of wild because it, it seems like Arise is a fan favorite out there that it, it would be hard to part with him. Um, so just seeing his name pop up in rumors was kind of surprising to me. Like, I understand it. But I also don't understand it. If if you understand what I'm saying, like yeah. So, um, that is the end of everything that we had planned. Uh, has there been anything other, <laughs> any other major moves that <laughs> there? Oh, yet. I guess <laughs> should we mention Arson Judge? Uh, if you want. so, we had a false start earlier today. Oh, wait. Hey, the Cardinals just uh, uh, made a move. Uh, they have signed right-handed, uh, or right-hander Guillermo Zuniga to a big league contract. It fills their 40-man roster. I've never even heard Neither of Neither have I. 
Um, um, also, John Morosi is uh, reporting on Marquee Network that Swanson is most likely to come to the Cubs. Well, I don't like that. No, no, no. Stop it. Um, let's not do that. How about no? I'm just going to keep saying no. I don't have anything else to say. Um, but yeah, so uh, John Heyman jumped the gun earlier and reported that Arson Judge is uh, looking like he's going to the Giants. Don't know if he's related to Aaron or not, but Aaron Judge has not made a decision. Um, John Heyman went and followed up later and and apologized and said that uh, he's actually talked to the Giants and there is there is no no legs to that statement. Uh, so yeah. And then the CEO came out and said, there's nothing to report on the Aaron judge front. So I don't understand how you make that mistake when you've been doing your job that long, but it is what it I is. Mean, what can we do? He's uh he's so used to that back page news on the New York post. So just trying to make big headlines, I guess. So, Yeah. Oh, well, maybe he should go back to the minors because he's clearly incompetent at the major league level. Boom, roasted. Call back to like two years ago, John Heyman. I don't like John Heyman, if you guys haven't picked up on that, but it's just a personal vendetta. Um, I think that is pretty much it for tonight. Thank you for sticking around. I know this has been a bit of a longer episode for us, uh, but there was a (laughs) lot to discuss. Um. Gautham, do you have any closing arguments? Uh, if not, we will get the verdict from the jury. See you next week when uh, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, and uh, Danby Swanson are all Cubs. I will not be here next week if that is the case. I will be crying in the corner. <laughs> um, so thank you all very much for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to uh, subscribe on all your favorite podcasting apps and YouTube. On YouTube, you got to hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell so that you never miss a future episode. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. TikTok, I've been doing some pretty cool stuff recently. Uh, I've got my advent calendar. We've been through day six. We've got some hits. We got a pretty big auto of Luis Angel Acuna on day one. So make sure to check that out. I'll be opening more stuff every day until Christmas. I think that is pretty much it for (coughs) for us tonight. And we will see you back here next week.